Good morning. The only way I have to follow up what Don had to say there was to say that Joe offered to pray all day. So if you want to hear Joe pray all day, then that's all right. We can do that. Uh, I wanted to say that as well because I appreciate Don and his leading of our singing. He does such a great job. Appreciate a lot of our men who pray. So many do with a heartfelt emotion. And certainly uh, we could listen to Joe pray all day because we know how uh, great his heart is and appreciate his leading us in prayer. Appreciate Carl's thoughts and leading us in the, our thoughts around the communion table this morning. And we're just thankful that you are here. We do have some visitors uh, in our midst. Uh, we do want to certainly recognize we have some newlyweds in our midst as well. Uh, many of you remember Anthony uh, Ziegler, and he's brought with him his new bride of just a week, uh, Caitlin, with him. Uh, Don reminded me that we give Anthony a hard time. Uh, Anthony lived here just a, a few years ago. I guess it was pre-pandemic, really. Uh, and place membership here, and we appreciate that. We always encourage people to have a membership with the local congregation, and we're thankful that he chose to do that. And as a young person, though, in the you know, young days of life, he made a change in his life and had some other ideas, and after he placed membership and only been here just a, really a month or so, he decided to move back to Kentucky and make some changes and do some different things. So we give him the hard time of being, having the shortest membership ever at a congregation. He was just a member for like a month, and then he moved on. But uh, we appreciate Anthony. Good to see him again, and Caitlin as well. Get to meet her. Uh, but we're thankful they are here and so many of our visitors. I do want to just say that we missed being here on Wednesday night. I appreciate Charles filling in for me uh, while we were at the convention center for the area-wide meeting. I appreciate those who came to that. Uh, there were Debbie and several others who supported the meeting each night down there. If you did not get to attend at all, those are on YouTube under Gary McDade's uh, YouTube page, and you can find those lessons from last week archived and listen to them. It was a very good uh, meeting if you got to be a part of any of that. Let me also remind you as well as just a few housekeeping things here. Uh, we will be singing this afternoon. Uh, we'll have a singing session during our 1.30 service, so we hope that you will plan to be with us. Uh, whether you go get lunch or stay for our lunch here between services, we want you to be back at 1.30 because this is a fifth Sunday, and the elders have uh, decided that this, for at least for this year, uh, on fifth Sundays we'll have a singing service, so we hope you plan to be back with us for that. I also wanted to include in my uh, PowerPoint here just a reminder if you're a part of our Wednesday night class here, we're beginning a bit of a summer session. Really that involves for me kind of being in and out several times with uh, gospel meetings and summer series and that kind of thing. So we've shifted around the lessons. And so just a reminder if you're in the auditorium on Wednesday night that Wednesday night we will be looking at the idea of miraculous gifts and that they have ceased. And then the next two weeks after that, uh, we will be looking at the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works through the word in conversion. And so we just want to remind you of that. If you're studying the lessons the way they are in the spiritual swords, you might get off. And so just a brief reminder that in our Wednesday night class, uh, we will be looking at the lesson on miraculous gifts on Wednesday night. It's hard to believe that it's that time again. Many of us older folks kind of feel that way that the uh, you know, years fly by, the days fly by. It's hard to believe that we're already almost through May. And, of course, Monday is Memorial Day. And it's kind of the official kickoff, in some ways, of vacation season. Uh, also, a side note for our family in particular, we'll be here Wednesday night. I'll be teaching that lesson Wednesday night. But then we will be headed out next weekend on vacation ourselves. So we won't be here next Sunday. I just give you that word of warning because that's usually when attendance goes up when the preacher leaves and everybody comes in that Sunday. So we won't be here next Sunday. We'll be on vacation. But it is kind of that time already. 
I read a good article this week by our brother Adam Fawn that preaches in Kentucky. It's about a three-minute read if you were to read that article, but I thought, man, that'd make a great lesson, and I'd like for us to kind of expound upon just the very short article that he put out there. You know, there's no doubt that vacation is good. Many of us would agree on that. For many of us as well, vacation is some of the fondest memories that we have of our families. Vacation brings about certain things with it. Vacation brings about rest. Now, for some of us with kids, it's not always restful to go on vacation. Uh, you, may, you may be like us. Sometimes we've gone on a trip to you know, some location like a Disney World or something, and you come back and say that you need a vacation from your vacation. You, know, you don't always get that rest with certain trips. But at the same time, usually vacation brings about rest, and we're thankful for that idea of rest and relaxation. Vacation also brings about with it usually memories. Again, as we said just a moment ago, uh, that oftentimes that's some of our fondest memories. In fact, our family started just a couple of years ago, a few years ago, trying to emphasize that idea uh, of a trip and the memories. Because you may have heard it said before that, that often on our deathbed, if we're in, in our conscious mind and on our deathbed, we're not going to recall a present that we got from Christmas in 1997 or 2000 and whatever. We may not remember that, but hopefully we'll remember the time we spent with family. We, time we may have spent on vacation. We make memories when we spend time together, and vacation is usually one of those. We also would note sometimes that vacation brings about experiences. There's new places or new things. A few years ago, our family was going to be headed down to kind of the Orlando area, and the hurricane was coming through. And so the hurricane kind of literally blew us away to the Gulf side, to Mobile, and we took a trip that we didn't plan on. But that has provided memories, including visiting one of the battleships that's docked down there in the Mobile area. We'll always remember that. It was an experience that we might not have ever gotten if our plans hadn't have changed. And so sometimes vacation brings with it experiences. Now, I am in no way suggesting this morning that Christians can't or shouldn't vacation. Uh, again, I'd be a hypocrite if I was because we plan to go next week, God be willing, on vacation ourselves. So I'm not suggesting that Christians can't or shouldn't vacation. But the quick question this morning is, can you vacation from God? Now, the short answer to that, you know, sometimes preachers ask these great questions and the answer is really very simple. The short answer to the idea of can you vacation from God is, well, yes, you can. Yes, physically in a sense, or mentally in a sense, in a commitment sense, yes, you certainly can vacation from God. But while that is physically something that we can do, I guess, in a sense, you really shouldn't, of course. I think most of us would agree on that. But what we want to spend our time this morning doing in the lesson is talking about a few things that we, as Christians, should not forget when we go on vacation. Number one, don't forget regular worship. If you have your copy of God's Word, would you be turning to Hebrews chapter 10? Hebrews chapter 10. When we think about vacation, one of the things that we shouldn't forget besides maybe our clothes or our sunscreen or whatever it might be based on where we're going, we should not forget regular worship. You're familiar with the passage here from the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25. There's three things that are mentioned there. You may have heard a lesson before from preachers about the lettuce, the lettuce of Hebrews. We kind of turn it into the food, but it actually says there three times, going back into verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. Verse 23, let us 
Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful, and then leading into verse 24, and let us, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I've been thankful as long as I've been a part of this congregation to have heard this passage talked about and preached differently than I had, at least as I remember it, growing up. That we will often spout out Hebrews 10.25 to say that you should never miss services, and we would agree, unless it's some kind of emergency or you're sick or whatever, you shouldn't miss services. But we kind of spout that out and just make it real easy and say, Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake the assembly. But this congregation has done a good job, and I've heard many of our men say, let's take the whole section here in context, going back into verse 22, verse 23, and so on and so forth. Let us consider one another, not neglecting to meet together. Now, depending on the version you have, I think the English Standard Version is one in verse 25 that says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Do you have habits in your life? I certainly do. We have good habits and we sometimes have bad habits. The question is, when it comes to regular worship, what is your habit? The Hebrew writer is saying by inspiration here that some people were making a bad habit of not attending the assembling together of the Christians. And the Hebrew writer would go on to say it's so much more important as we see the day approaching. And by the way, when we stand here and we pray for those in Texas and we pray for those in Chattanooga and we pray for all these things that are going on, the day is approaching. And we need to be assembling together more and more, paying more attention to being together as Christians to encourage ourselves in these difficult times. Question, what does it teach your kids when you take the time and put forth the effort to research and to look around and to seek out a local congregation with which to worship when you are on vacation? Question. On the other hand, what does it teach your kids when you pretend that it's not Sunday or Wednesday and you just hope that they don't ask if you're going to worship or to Bible class while you are away from home? And let me also insert here, and by the way, this is simply, let me be clear, this is simply Joel's scruples here, but I think I can make a real good argument, though I would not make a law, but I think I can make a real good argument that you should physically attend with a local congregation, if at all possible. Now, I love our live stream. We appreciate the opportunity to offer that to those who aren't here but I think I can make a pretty good argument that if you are in Florida or if you're in Georgia or if you are in Nevada or anywhere in between going across our country and you are on vacation, that it's a good thing to seek out a local congregation with which to go and physically worship. I don't know how often you may have done this in the past, but it is a huge encouragement for the local congregation and for you. There are often those sweet older ladies whose faces just light up when a family visits, comes to visit for worship. And you never know what will happen. Just last summer, last May or June, whenever it was we went on vacation last year, we were in the Gulf, and we had traveled 30 minutes to a larger congregation on Sunday morning. But on Wednesday night, someone had told us about a smaller congregation that was closer to the condo that we had rented for the week. 
We pulled into that smaller congregation on Wednesday night, and in the parking lot was a Hamilton County, Tennessee license plate. There were members of the Lord's Church there from the East Side congregation in Cleveland that were there for Bible study as well. Not only encouraging this small congregation that only had maybe 10 people themselves that were there for Bible study, but we almost made up more than that, our family and this family from Cleveland as well, adding to the congregation and being there for Bible study. We are thankful, in a sense, for our live streaming. But again, to me, watching in the car or while you're traveling is not the same as visiting other Christians, meeting new people, and encouraging your family and others. Again, I can't say that that is scriptural and you have to do that or you're sinning. I'm just giving you something to think about. It's not just about box checking. It is about the lifestyle that on the Lord's Day or even just on Wednesday, we have a habit of meeting with other Christians to study the Word. We're going to talk about Daniel in just a moment. We talked about Daniel last Sunday afternoon. But do you remember in Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10? Excuse me, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. What happened before Daniel was put in the lion's den? Daniel knew, a lot of all this is included in verse 10. Daniel knew that the writing was signed by King Darius. He went home, he knelt down on his knees and prayed, and the scripture says there, as was his custom from his early days, as was his habit, we might say. How were they going to get Daniel into the lion's den? Because they knew where he would be every day. He would be on his knees praying at some point to the Father above. Is it our habit or our custom to attend the services of the Lord's church wherever we may be? Is it your custom or habit to just pass on the services of the church when you are on vacation? Or to seek it out, to show your children how important it is? Can I challenge you to remember to physically attend regular worship services with other Christians, both here, yes, and while you're on vacation. Number two, we do not need to forget our Christian clothing. The Bible speaks in several places about how a Christian should dress themselves or what they should put on, so to speak. Now, before you think I'm going where I will be going in just a moment, Christians are to be clothed with what, according to the Bible? Humility? Kindness? gentleness. Christians are to wear or put on the whole armor of God, according to Ephesians chapter 6. Yes, as Christians, we should clothe ourselves with these attitudes. But also, yes, let's take just a moment to touch on our physical clothing as well. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38, verses 13 through 15. In one sense, we as Christians need to remember to clothe ourselves as Christians with the right attitudes when we are away from home. But number two, yes, we need to clothe ourselves properly when we are in the world. In Genesis chapter 38, verses 13 through 15, you know, we talked about Joseph just a week ago or so. But kind of tucked in there is the story of Judah and Tamar. Judah went back on his word, and he doesn't give her, Tamar, his son. So she put her widow's garments off in verse 13 and 14. We see that she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot because she had covered her face. 
Question, why did he think that she was a prostitute? The answer, because she dressed like one. The lesson for us as we think about being Christians is clothing presents an image before the world and it represents a particular attitude toward God. Let me say that one more time. Our clothing presents an image before the world. Our clothing presents an image before the world, and it represents a particular attitude toward God. Judah saw Tamar, and he thought she was a harlot because she was dressed like one. And sometimes in our world, we do not wear the clothing that a Christian should wear. It's well known that our first impression of a person is usually based on their clothing. A close second, of course, is their speech. If you've ever met somebody or actually probably ever met somebody and they're from up north or out west and they hear your southern accent, right? They all, all of a sudden identify you as being somebody from the south. That's second, though. They probably already judged you and made a first impression by the clothes that you wear. What does the world think when they see us while we are on vacation? As Christians, we need to be modest in our clothing. Now, it's been a little while since I preached on modesty, but there are usually two things to point out when it comes to that real quickly. Number one, it does apply to both men and women. That's usually where women kind of go wrong and get upset is because sometimes, and certainly probably some preachers over the years have stood up and sort of pointed the finger only at women when it comes to modesty. No, women need to be covered, but so do men. But number two... It is true that the Bible speaks of having on too much, not too little, in a sense. Now, that's true. When Paul is writing to Timothy and he's talking about being modest, he's talking about them putting on too much. But when, we, when it comes to this idea of modesty, may I suggest to you that a good definition is that modesty is not attracting attention where attention doesn't belong. You see, yes, the Bible talks about wearing too much, we don't seem to have that problem in our world today, though. The point of modesty is maybe that modesty is not attracting attention where attention doesn't belong. And very often, wearing too much clothing can draw the wrong attention, but so can wearing too little. We certainly need to dress physically like Christians, both at home, going to the store or the ballpark or wherever it might be, and on vacation. We need to also dress ourselves, as we said at the beginning of this point, in the correct attitudes as well, which leads to our last point here on things not to forget. And let's not forget moral behavior. Let's not forget moral behavior. Now, this one could consist of several different things. One thing that our brother Adam Fawn pointed out in his article, and I just make mention of, might be the consumption of alcohol. But some people just choose to live differently on vacation than they do when they're at home. They choose to live differently when they're away from fellow Christians than they do when they're around fellow Christians. And it doesn't take much to begin to see that we're often being hypocrites if we live a moral and upright life before God among our brethren here, not just at the building but in our everyday lives, but then we pretend that if we cross into Florida or Georgia or again wherever, that all of a sudden everything's okay and it's not a big deal. I'm not sure what it might be, but Christians are sometimes different people in a different state than where they live. May we not to forget on our vacation to have regular worship, to wear our Christian clothing, and to have good moral behavior. 
not just live it up because that's what God wants us to do. He just wants us to do whatever we want to do. It's vacation. We're allowed to rest. You said we could have new experiences and, and rest and make memories, right? Correct. We also need to remember to not forget these particular things. In a sense, we are simply suggesting that Christians should practice something that they should strive to practice 24-7, 365, and that is consistency. Consistency. Are you different today than you will be tomorrow? Often our people, some of our men, pray from the pulpit here that we would be better. That's true in a sense. But sometimes we're just simply two different people. We show up here, as we say, with our Sunday best, and then we go out into the world, or we go on vacation, and we live however we decide we want to live during that time. I shared this in my lesson on Wednesday night for those who were able to be there. And I know I've shared it here before, but it just always hits home at me to emphasize. Because I think if I offered something to you, if I said that something was going to be true 95% of the time, you would take it. You would jump at it to know that something would be correct 95% of the time. And I heard Lonnie Jones say it one time in, at Mountain Creek at a vacation Bible school. But wanting to know what it is, studying young people, why is it that young people fall away? Why is it that young people live a life of at-risk behavior and specifically spiritually at-risk behavior? And it's one simple question that Lonnie had developed through his counseling of young people. He would ask a young person sitting across from him in a counseling session, do your parents profess things in public that they do not practice in private? Do your parents profess things in public that they do not practice in private? One word, consistency. One reminder, if there is anybody in the world, anybody in the world that is good at picking out inconsistency, it's our children. They know in a hurry when we've been saying one thing to people at the church services and we've been one way around Christians and we walk out the door or go on vacation and we do something totally different. They know. And you know what the really scary part is about that? Very often, they won't say anything. Now, some will. You know, out of the mouths of children, they may speak up and say something in front of others and embarrass you. But other times, especially as they get older, they don't say anything, but they file it away. They just kind of put it in the back of their brain. You know, we're always at services on Sunday morning, except for two or three times a year when we're on vacation. Then they grow up, they go to college, and they think, well, you know what? We didn't go always. I don't have to go this Sunday. They say, well, you know what? We were always told to do this, but, but I know that even though my parents said that, they didn't do that. And as they get older and they get married and they have kids of their own, that's eh, not a big deal. I, mean, I know what my parents said, but I know they didn't do it. And we see inconsistency. They see inconsistency in our lives. I saw another quote this week. It's run by a website by a couple named Luke and Tricia Gilkerson. They do a lot of things to encourage young families. And I want to share it with you. It'll take several slides, but I wanted to give you this full quote. In regards to the idea of vacation and our children and that kind of thing, it says, the Christian principles a family applies to things like modesty and entertainment are standards that we should uphold at all times, even on vacation. Not because failing to do so will subject us to hellfire and brimstone. And let me insert here, that's the argument, right? Or excuse me, that's the excuse, right? 
Oh, God's not going to condemn me to hell just because uh, I wear something different on vacation or because we act this way differently on vacation. Let me go back. These things should apply at all times, not because failing to do so will subject us to hellfire and brimstone, but because maintaining them teaches our children that the Bible is a universal standard set by a loving and authoritative God. It's not the fear, it's not the excuse that, oh, well, those Christians just tell us that we're condemned to hell if we don't do that or we act this particular way. It's not that, but not teaching them that, but teaching them the lesson that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God has given us his standard that does not change and we should live by it at all times. In fact, going further, they said his standards are not just a collection of sub subjective suggestions that we can choose from when it's convenient for us. But how often do we treat the word of God that way? Again, I, we're kind of highlighting vacation this morning, but it could be anything that you do here in this life. Consistency is the key. Do you remember that Jesus spoke of it specifically in Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, right there tucked into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one, no man, no person can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. You cannot serve. If Jesus said it, why do we believe it to be different? You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, yes, it's also true that that word mammon can mean money, or sometimes we just say stuff or things. But you understand the principle that Jesus is emphasizing that we cannot straddle the fence. We cannot be two-faced. We cannot act one way at services and another way in the world, and certainly not on vacation. If we are striving to be Christians following the word of God, we need to be consistent. In the eastern time zone, central time zone, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, it doesn't matter. We should strive to be consistent. May I ask you one more time to turn to Daniel chapter 1. Because I would like to suggest to you that a lot of this is taken care of. If we do need to remember to pack regular worship, our Christian clothing, our moral behavior, the solution to all of this is to remember to pack purpose. Purpose. I told you we'd come back to Daniel, but we said it last Sunday. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, there's a very short phrase tucked into the beginning of that verse that Daniel purposed in his heart. We talked about Daniel last Sunday afternoon, but let me ask you to recall for just a moment in your mind that Daniel is a stranger in a strange land. Daniel is a captive in a strange land. And Daniel knew this was coming in a sense, did he not? I don't know how often we emphasize that, but Daniel, through the prophets of God, it had been foretold that they would be carried away into captivity. But not only that, let me suggest to you that Daniel didn't hop on a bullet train and be in the homeland one day and in captivity in Babylon the next day. He had time to consider where he was going and what he was going to do and what did he remember to pack. He packed purpose. You see, when it comes to regular worship, worship, it is so much easier today because all it takes is a simple Google search and you can probably find at least four or five or more congregations within at least 10 to 15 to 30 minutes wherever you're going to be. You can plan ahead with what you're going to wear. 
You can plan ahead with the plans that you are going to make. But Daniel and his three friends here purpose in their heart, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. May I suggest to you that sometimes when we go on vacation, we don't plan to do sinful things. We just simply fail to plan. Daniel purposed. When we're thinking about going on vacation, we have to purpose in our heart to do what's right, to attend worship, to dress correctly, to have our speech seasoned with salt, to be people who are recognized as being different from everyone else around us. The point is, as we begin to conclude, you should never take a vacation from Christianity. Now, if you were listening to me and not looking at the screen, you might have heard that I added a little word there. You should. Right, I didn't include it in your outline. Because if a person reads this, they might sound, this might sound like something is just, a, it's an impossibility. But we already stated at the beginning, it's possible. Oh, you can turn your back on God. Oh, you can wander away from God and do what you want to do for an extended period of time. But you should. You should never take a vacation from Christianity. When we think about our lives this morning, when we think about our lives in the coming months, when we think about our lives in the fall and how many ever days that God blesses us with time here on this earth, we should never take a vacation from God or our Christianity. Let me suggest to you, as we conclude, on your vacation this summer, and here's the preacher's words, on your vacation this summer, have fun. Relax. Enjoy yourself. Make memories with your family, but don't forget God. That can mean a lot of different things. We've suggested just a few for your consideration this morning. Go. Have new experiences. Make fun memories. Hopefully relax a little bit. But don't forget God. Don't take a vacation from your Christianity. You see, that's hard to do this morning or thinking about vacation if you're here this morning and you're not a child of God. We're about to sing the song that Don's selected for us. One of our elders will be coming forward in just a moment to talk to you and pray with you if you'd like to have that this morning. But it's going to begin here in just a second as we're about to sing this song with an encouragement that if you need to become a Christian that you would do just that. God's simple plan of salvation is simple enough for anyone to understand. But maybe you're here and you're unsure about this slide that we always put up. We'd love to study with you even this day to know what it means to put on Christ in baptism to have your sins washed away, not by anything that anybody does here, any vote that's taken by the elders or the church, but by the blood of Christ. You rise out of the water just as Jesus rose from the grave to walk in newness of life, and the Lord will add you to his church where you can begin to live faithfully, carrying God with you each and every day in each and every circumstance. But maybe you're here this morning and you've wandered away. You know, it's one of those things, I say it from time to time, but it's one of those things that when you preach on a certain subject that people think, oh, well, I can't respond now because everybody will think, you know, that's what I did or that's the sin in my life. It doesn't have to be that way. It may be something else that's bothering you today. If you're a Christian and it's something that stands between you and God, we'll be singing to encourage you to come back to him, to confess your sins before him, to repent and pray. But we're thankful for the opportunity to be assembled together as a body as a family, to encourage one another. Maybe you need to become a Christian. Maybe you need to come back to him. We'll be singing to encourage as we stand together and as we sing.